stewarder. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Guys, we're still in Ezra. Um, got a few chapters to go. And um, I don't know if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I, or a few weeks ago, I spoke on Ezra 2. And Ezra 2 was basically a list of names. Today we are in Ezra 6, no, Ezra 7, and it is a list of names. It's like, thank you so much, every time I get all the ancient uh, Hebrew names that I have to pronounce, but I felt this morning that I didn't need to show off my ancient Hebrew skills, so I'm not going to read it out for you yet again. But um, today, as I say, chapter 7, and we come to the person of Ezra. So we are, you know, we've been talking about Ezra, we've been hearing about the book of Ezra, and finally, in chapter 7, we get to meet Ezra. So as you can see uh, on the screen, here is those uh, list of ancient Hebrew names. Uh, actually, they're not too bad. I can actually pronounce, pronounce them. But if we look through the list, it says this right at the beginning. It says, after these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, Ezra, son of Zariah, son of Zariah, I'm not going to go on, comes along. But when we look at this list, the important thing about this genealogy is that we can trace Ezra's lineage back to Aaron, the chief priest. And, and that's really important to know because when you look at the lineage, you realize that each and every single one of those is a priest. Ezra basically comes from this incredible stock, this incredible lineage of priests. And, um, and because of this, because of his heritage and because of the way that he's raised up, we discover that in verse 6 it says this, that he was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses. That is, he knew God's law. And in addition to knowing God's law, he kind of really knew it. The king, he basically had favor with him because the hand of the Lord was on him. And so chapter 7, effectively, is a copy of a letter that the king issues to Ezra. And basically, in verse 11, we hear again uh, the credentials that, that Ezra has, that he's a teacher, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and the decrees of Israel. If we're going to learn anything about Ezra, Ezra was a bright cookie. He knew what was what. He knew what the law said and how to live it. And so this letter, which I'm also not going to read out for you, but I'm going to highlight for you, basically gives Ezra like just complete freedom of the land. I've got a slide which kind of highlights this. The king basically says that Ezra can have everything he needs. So first of all, the king says, um, people can go with you. The priests and the Levites can go with you back to Israel. Not only that, but in verse 15, we discover that Ezra can take gold and silver. And he's to take this gold and silver to purchase like bulls and rams and things that have to, they have to make sacrifices with. And then, and then, not only that, he can, he's, there's trust that's given to Ezra. So there's some trust for you here because we trust you not only to steward that money well and buy the right things, but also then to spend it well on other things. We trust you with this money. 
Then he gets, he's got told that he gets support of all the other leaders of all the other nations around, that there, are, there is support. So much support that Ezra is free from paying taxes and levies. Whoa, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And, and also Ezra basically has the authority to appoint magistrates and administer justice and also to give consequences for those who don't fulfill the law. I mean, that is a pretty cool letter to carry around with you. You have basically the freedom of absolutely everything. So, so that is Ezra. That is essentially Ezra chapter 7. This is the list which allows Ezra all the freedom to go back to Jerusalem and to restore correct temple worship according to God's law. And that's because he knows God's law because he is a man who's given himself to the study of God's law, of God's word. So today I really want to focus on two verses in Ezra 7. Um, and you know, we're going to hear about how Ezra comes back eventually. Next week, you'll hear about how he comes to correct the community and point them back to God, restoring the pattern of worship as God ordained. But the two verses that I want to look at are Ezra 7 verse 6 and 7 verse 11. Verse 6, it says this, He was a teacher well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And then this is a copy of the letter King Artaxerxes had given to Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law a man learned in matters concerning the commands and the decrees for the Lord of Israel, the Lord of Israel. And later in Nehemiah 8, if we, we know that Ezra and Nehemiah are two books that work together, we learn that Ezra publicly read and interpreted the Torah, the Torah being the first five books of the Old Testament. And he interpreted the Torah to the people, and therefore he was embraced as a priest, that's one thing. He was embraced as a prophet, and for some, he was the prototype of a rabbi. Ezra understood that by reading the Torah, the Torah was, he wanted people, he was passionate for people to incorporate the word of God into their lives so that they are formed by it. Um, Ezra saw that the law of Moses has something to say about every single aspect of life. And he was passionate that people saw it too. So my challenge to you simply is this. How do you do with reading the Word of God? How does reading the Word of God form you? How does it shape you? And I am not talking about, uh, you know, having a, maybe a bullet journal and you tick off all of the different chapters that you've read. I'm not talking about working the way through the Bible through the year. I'm talking about how do you take God's Word and how do you apply it? How do you allow it to fill you and to change you and to transform you? Because we know, we know that the word of God, what he says, is how God speaks to us. That is how we learn who God is. That is how we learn who Jesus is. That is how we learn what is right from what is wrong, is when we read the word of God. How do we know how to live if we don't know what God's word says, are you formed by it? Do you give yourselves to study? I know many of you do, but I really wanted to bring that challenge to you this morning. Is it that you just rely on the verse of the day that appears on your Instagram feed? You know, 
because it's out of context often. Even I know that. When you read verses that are just in front of your, your device, they're often just not giving you the whole, the whole chapter, the whole reason for why it's there. Or is it just Sunday to Sunday? I know I'll just come to church on a Sunday, I'll hear a little bit about the Word of God, and then I will like, I can live on it for the next six days, seven days, until I come back to church the following week. How are you formed? See, all of those things have a place. I mean, to be fair, I love Instagram. I'm always on Instagram, as many of you know. But all of those things have a place. Living Sunday to Sunday, I mean, coming to church on Sunday obviously has a place. But reading your word for yourself, in your own space, in your own time, dedicating to understanding what God says, there's no equivalent for that. There's no shortcut for that. There's no insta anything for that. That is time that you give yourself to God. And we live in a wonderful age where we have untold resources about God's word. There are books and there are commentaries and we can access everything. And if you're not a reader, the joy of the place that we live in is that you can actually listen to God's word. You can hear people even read it, you know, whole chapters. It's, um, but are we giving ourselves to be being formed by it? I, um, I checked that it was okay to share this, um, but many of you a uh, few weeks ago were here for when Kelly got baptised. Uh, Kelly was a, a person, and she shared it in her testimony. She got saved earlier this year on Alpha, and, um, and I remember a few days after she got saved, she came into my office and she just said, oh, Jazz, I've been reading all this stuff in the Bible. I love it when new Christians get obsessed with the Bible, because I've been reading all this stuff with the Bible, and it says that um, I shouldn't get involved with the occult or with like really, you know, that sort of wizardry type stuff. And, um, and she, she showed me all the passages of scripture she'd been reading. And I'm like, well, yeah, it does say that. She goes, Jazz, do you know what I've had to do? And she, she was really upfront. Before she became a Christian, she'd been involved in all those sorts of things, tarot reading and uh, palm reading and just all that, sort of, all that sort of world. But she read in scripture that she shouldn't be. And so she then went and destroyed all of those things that were in her house that represented that. She read it in God's word, the Holy Spirit brought conviction, and she responded by actually doing something. And you know, she was like, just that much stuff's really expensive. I didn't even realize that, but some of that stuff is really pricey, those dodgy things that she was putting up and doing. But she read in God's word that she shouldn't be. So she changed something. She took it on board. She was being formed by something. She's being formed by the truth that she found in God's word. It's a beautiful testimony. And how many of us sitting here today can recall moments when we have read scripture and when we read it, it's like it's like become so alive. It's like, oh my goodness, God's really speaking to us. Come on, I'm not the only one that's, that's happened to. And, um, but how can that happen? How can those moments happen if we never pick up the word of God? If we're just rushing it into our day, or it's just a tick box exercise. We come because this is living, and it's truth. And it shows us how to live. It shows us how to be. Consistently throughout scripture, we are reminded that our primary calling is to love God, is to love Jesus, the Holy Spirit. 
But also, we're to love the word. The word shows us how to live. We're called to go deep in God. We know that our circumstances change day by day. We know that when we hear the news, stuff happens and it affects us. We know that drama happens in our lives, does it not? Let me try and explain it this way. Okay. Let's suggest that this piece of um, stone, I don't know what it really is, um, represents the drama in our lives. Just this is, this is the stuff that happens, the stress that happens. Now, if I were to take this and throw this into a puddle, I might even have a picture of a puddle that might appear just now. Yeah, there you go. Just that little puddle. If I took this brick and threw it into that puddle, we would know that the water would splash out. We would know that it would, the puddle would dry up quite quickly and it would have a huge effect. All the water would just go everywhere. Fair? If I was to take the same brick and throw it in the middle of a really huge lake, to be fair, I probably haven't got the strength to, but if I were to try and throw this brick right into the middle of that lake, I don't think it would be very noticeable. I don't think any ripples would even hit the edge of that lake. And the point that I'm making is that we are called to go deep and wide and long into God's word. If our understanding of God's word, if our understanding is shallow and light, when the stuff happens, because it happens, we've got nothing to rely on. We're empty. But if our practice and our desire and our uh, want of God is to know more of him through his word and we grow deeper and longer, then when this stuff happens, we withstand it in quite a different way. And so that would be my exhortation, my encouragement to you. We are called as a people to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. We don't get revelation of God. We don't just read God's word for ourselves. We read it for the generation that is to come and the generations after that. I mean, Pete got up and just prayed for that generation, our young people out there. We read God's word for the benefit of others. In Psalm 145, we're told, one generation, that's us, commends your works to another, so we tell the others. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of your power, of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So not only are we told to tell others and commend God's works of a next generation, but we're also, as I said, called to make disciples. At the end of Matthew 28, it says this, Jesus is speaking, and and he issues us with a command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I am surely with you always to the very end of the age. Ezra knew the word of God and wanted everyone to obey it. We also know the word of God and how do we respond. 
I am sure that many of you have heard this phrase, uh, see one, do one, teach one. Have you all heard that? The first time I heard this phrase was, it was a fiction, I need to be really clear, I don't want to insult any surgeons or doctors in the room right now, but it was a fictional program, and it was Grey's Anatomy, and it was, um, uh, it was a surgeon, a senior surgeon teaching a junior surgeon, and basically, this is how you do operations, you see one, you do one, you teach one, that's not really what it happened, that happens, it was fiction, it was fiction, don't shoot me, don't throw a brick at me. Um, but the point was that they were trying to replicate the skill really quickly. And I wondered, I wondered, and it can, this can be applied to many aspects of life, but I wondered, could we amend that to study one, become one, raise one? What I mean by that is, can we study a disciple or Jesus? Can we become a disciple like Jesus? Can we raise another disciple? Are we people who are disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples? Um, or, if you didn't like that, what about this? I have said, I've got, sorry, Kalisha, would you? Thank you. I had this sentence. It's not original to me, but I absolutely love this. I wonder if we could purpose this in our hearts. I have set my heart to study the gospel of Jesus Christ and to do it and to teach the crucifixion and the resurrection in my community. That's a huge commitment, isn't it? But that's actually what we're called to, to study the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know him that's how we get to know him through his word and to do it and to teach the crucifixion and the resurrection in my community I've got a couple of minutes and I've got a story that I want to tell you and I think the story will help you understand it um, this is a picture of my friends Mick and Elaine when Tim and I first got married I absolutely adore this couple when Tim and I first got married we moved onto the middle of our local council estate where uh, as a church we served and Tim and I looked around, we were sort of very young, and uh, we met this couple. And they were about 15, 20 years older than us. And we realised that Elaine was a bit of a matriarch on this estate. And we knew that she basically, nothing happened on this estate unless Elaine was involved. Elaine knew everybody, knew everything. She was born in that estate, she lived that estate, she was passionate about the estate. And we realised that she was kind of in charge. And so we actually became friends with them, very good friends with them. We did Christmas with them, we shared birthdays with them. When we adopted children, they were our referees. You know, we were really involved in each other's lives. And we also realised that she wanted the estate to be a really good place. And so she set up a residence association and we as the church supported her every time she wanted a fun day we would help her she wanted a youth club we put on a youth club all the things that Elaine wanted to do we as a church got behind we were utterly involved in each other's lives after about eight years she became agoraphobic she was very ill became agoraphobic wouldn't leave the house so I used to go and visit her after about a year or so of doing this she went jazz I said, what can we do to help you get out? Because I like doing craft. So we set up a knit and natter. 
just for her. And every week I'd go and pick her up. I'd drive her 30 seconds down the road to the local community centre. And me and about four other women would sit and knit and craft. That was it. That went on for a couple of years, just doing that. But she'd hear all about the church and everything that was going on. After a couple of years, she then went, Jazz, I think I'd like to try church on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I'm like, do you want to pick you up? No, no, Mick will bring me. So Mick um, brings her, but he couldn't walk in that Sunday morning. He'd hurt his back. Uh, during the morning, there was a word of knowledge about bad backs, and my son was sat next to Mick, and he went, Mick, you got a bad back, get prayed for. Mick was completely healed, totally, completely freaked out. Did not know what had happened to him. Totally like, I can't cope with this. Anybody who spoke to that week at church, outside of church, like, don't go to that church, it's spooky. Literally, that's what he said about the church. Anyway, they came back the following week, and the week after, and the week after. Went on for a few months like this, September. Elaine sat in her room, and she says this. Jesus, I've been using your facilities for quite a while now. I think I'd like to get on your bus. That was her prayer of commitment. And I picked her up the next day, and in picking her up, she said, Jazz, Jazz, it's like I've been born all over again. I hadn't told her she'd become born again. I had a Bible phone in the back of my car. She went, I've sent Mick out to buy me a Bible. And then I'm like, okay. And then she went, and also, so what's that thing you do on Wednesday nights around your house, that life group? Can I join that? I'm like, yeah, you can join that. She goes, right, and how do I do that giving money thing? And I'm like... (laughs) I just like, and in that moment, I realized this, that for the 10 years or so of knowing Mick and Elaine, she'd been observing our lives. She'd been watching what was going on. She'd been learning about the things of God. And the moment she became alive, everything made sense to her. Oh, that's why you read your word. That's why you go to life group. That's why you give money. It all made sense. And a few weeks later, Mick also gave his life to Jesus and for about we moved off the estate at that point because we knew that Mick and Elaine would then replicate everything they'd done and they did very faithfully for the next 10 years and sadly January three years ago um, during the end of COVID Elaine Elaine died in her last week she would um, tell anybody don't worry about me I'm off to see Jesus don't worry about me her daughter every day would visit her and ring me in the evenings and go don't worry about me I'm off to see my mate Jesus. He's waiting for me. And a few weeks after that, Mick also died. I tell you that story and I take time to tell you that story and I don't even apologise for the amount of time it took. Because what I want you to know is that when you are shaped by God's word, when you understand what it's calling you to, you will live a life according to this. And your life is on display. And you are men and women who will help people encounter Jesus and come to know him. It's pretty cool, eh? Let's just pray. Father, we want to be men and women who love your word. We want to be passionate about it. We don't want it to be a tick box exercise or something that we have to do. We want to come at it knowing that it forms us, it shapes us, it teaches us right from wrong. Every bit of it is is given by you for our instruction to help us to live. So Father, I pray, would you make us 
lovers of your word and help us to love you more.